Welcome to Momo's Bookcase, a podcast where we dive into the books from our childhood and see if they still hold up today. Our guest on this episode is Gail Gallagher. Gail is a professional musician who splits her time between teaching music lessons and working on freelance composition and audio production projects. When she's not doing something music related, she enjoys knitting and crocheting, watching Survivor like it's sports, and going on hikes and other adventures with friends and her partner Sam. The Giver is her all-time favorite book next to the whole Animorph series, and she's super excited to talk about it. Enjoy! Hi, Gail. Welcome to Momo's Bookcase. Hi, I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad. Um, I'm flattered because uh, Gail was the first person to reach out and want to do the podcast. Um, and she was so excited. And we talked about this for, it's been, it was been a minute since we had a conversation about the book we're going to talk about today. Um, mm. But I'm so glad you're here and we're getting to do this. It's very exciting. Yeah, no, I I listened to your episode about Animorphs, and which is the other the other series from this time period, you know, time of my life that I was all about, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to talk about The Giver. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, before we hop into The Giver, um, we always talk about what are you reading right now? Yeah, so um, I am currently reading uh this book that this is like 80s era mystery uh novel that was like one of my mom's favorite books and she would always talk about it and i'm finally getting around to reading it and it is called bimbos of the death sun let me explain um (laughs) it is about a engineering professor who writes his first science fiction novel and it's like hard science and his publisher is like, nah, 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 that's not gonna sell. You need to call it Bimbos of the Death Sun and put some scantily clad ladies on the cover. <laughs> and so he's at a science fiction convention, first time he's ever been to a science fiction convention, trying to sell his book that is branded terribly and also a murder takes place. And so it's Wait, a murder- that's all in the same book? It's all in the same book. That's incredible. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the conceit. I can understand why it was like one of my mom's favorite books. It is also very 1987. So uh-huh. mm-hmm. the the technology is as dated as the language uh, sometimes. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's certain things where I, I, I'm like, mm, the way we are describing larger bodied women is an interesting choice. Oh, no. But it's written by a female author. So like... I'm like, okay, all right. And I mean, it do be like that at science fiction conventions. So I don't yeah. know if if it, if it that's a way of like calling attention to the world of the people that hang out at science like, conventions. Was she making a point in this time about that? That's fair, yeah. Yeah, okay. uh, but I'm having a lot of fun reading it and it's nice to just be like, okay, I understand why my mom liked this book. That's super so. sweet, I love that. Um, that's great, oh, maybe. I'll check it out. I feel like there are a lot of things going on that I would be on my toes the whole time. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot going on. I love that. Uh, amazing. Um, I'm currently reading Same Time Next Summer, um, which I am not really enjoying. Um, it's mm-hmm. like one of these books that came out, I think, earlier this year. And um, 
it was there was a very long wait list at the library for this book so i was like great let me read it um i was looking for kind of like a i'm not gonna lie a trashy like summer romance novel and this is more Mm -hmm. feelings than it is like the trashy part so i don't know basically it's about um a woman who's it's very it's giving like very much hallmark movie um she's she works in like human resources and she's dating a, a dermatologist and like it seems perfect on paper but she's apparently like obviously lost herself in dating mm. this man like he's like kind of molded her to be what he wants and she's kind of like forgotten who she is and there's a, an old flame that she meets up with again it's just a lot of setup for this book right now so it's a lot of like when we were 16 and 15 here are all these feelings and i'm like okay but where is the trash and can we get to it so i don't know <laughs> i'm go- i'm going to finish it because i'm going to finish it but it's kind of like pulling teeth but um yeah that's what i'm reading um so gail chose for this episode the giver which is very exciting so before we get into like the background of the giver and like our talking points um gail what are your memories of this book oh my gosh uh full on third grade obsession. Um, So I was a library kid Mm -hmm. and I would do the thing, like I think I saw Matilda and assumed that how one behaves in a library is to check out every single book that you can get your hands on. Oh yeah, 100%, yeah. Yeah, Um, and so I don't know how I stumbled upon The Giver, but I first checked out the the book on tape and I'm dating myself. These were old school cassette Cassette tapes tapes. in the case. Mm And I listened to it and absolutely became obsessed. I listened, uh, it's like, it's a five hour book. Um, you know, I remember specifically how long it was. It was like a couple tapes. Mm-hmm. I copied the tapes for myself. Don't come for me, uh, Waterloo Public Library. I was eight or nine. <laughs> oh, Kale, you rebel. I know. I mean, and also like being the precocious person who was like, let me just copy copy cassette tapes because that's the thing I know how to do as a child. Also, yeah, that was pretty smart. I don't think I could have done that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so anyway, and then I just like started evangelizing my friends with it because I was like, I you have to read this book. It is so good. And um, fast forward to like seventh grade, um, I was absolutely just broken that the English class that did the giver as their unit was not the English class I was in, oh. but I was in their, the study hall class for that teacher. So I was insufferable. <laughs> They're like, oh, here's Gail again, here to talk about this. Uh, yeah, this it's like middle of study hall. And I'm like, I forgot this this woman's uh, name, but I was just like, okay, so like, these are so cool. And like, they had all their like class projects up and there were dioramas. And then like my friends who were in that class, I was like, so you read The Giver? And they're like, yeah, it's fine. I'm reading it for class. Go, it's so funny. <laughs> like, I love that. It's <laughs> Like, no, I'm obsessed. Why are you not also obsessed? Like, this is the most mind-blowing thing ever. Like, are you and not I think, changed? Yeah, I'm uh, changed. Why are you not changed? I will transfer you the memories, and then you will be changed. <laughs> um, Yeah, and I don't know. I think, I think I was, what drew me in is it was like baby's first dystopia. Like, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and it was the storytelling and it was the way it evolved. And it was very like, you know, those like those initial moments of like, oh, wait, he couldn't see color this whole time. Yeah. And, the reveal of the sameness was like, it was really neat. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I think it's it's the way the story reveals itself and um, also like thinking um, as I think about it now, I'm like, I also was probably super into it because I was a very studious person mm -hmm. and like probably was kind of into the idea of like, well, at nine, you get a bicycle and at 10, you don't do, 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 do. You like the rules, uh, the structure. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. I get that. I I think I think that was probably part of it. Now as an yeah. adult, I'm like, I I don't know if I I I don't know what I'd be in this world. No. <laughs> no, as an adult who has like very little structure in her life, I don't know what I would do either. I'm like, oh. I guess I'm the storyteller? Uh Yeah, they yeah, that I wanted to put put a pin in that cuz I yeah. was like, yes, we'll we'll come back to that. <laughs> Um, I read this book, I think in fifth grade, uh, around the same time I read Numbering the Stars, because it's by the same author. Mm. Um, and then I read this to my campers when I was a camp counselor. Oh, wow. I read this book to them, um, probably like, oh, at least 10 years ago. So it's been over 10 years since I've read this book. So it's been interesting coming back to this. As someone in their 30s who's like more of an adult in reading this um so i read it like in my 20s and my 30s and probably like it was like 10 maybe the first time i read it so it's been interesting coming back to it as an adult and kind of like noticing things i don't think i noticed the first time or the second time as an adult i read it so um this has been an interesting reread so i'm glad we get to talk about it um ruby so before we get into the discussion, I just have a little bit of background on The Giver. Um, fun fact, I thought that uh, Lois was Lewis and was a dude the whole time. Um, oh. I, for the entire time, I have thought this was a man. <laughs> I... I don't know. I always thought it was Lewis, and I even wrote it down as Lewis, and I was like, no, it's definitely Lois, and it's always been Lois, and yet somehow. Uh, so I learned something new with this mm. rereading, which I love. Um, so this was written in 1993 by Lois Lowry, um, who also wrote Number of the Stars. This won the Newbery Medal in 1994, and in 2012 survey, by the school library journal, it ranked it as the fourth best children's novel. Um, it's required as core curriculum in many places in the US, but it's often challenged. A lot of folks like require this as reading, but people don't like that it's always being read. Um, it was the number 11th most challenged book in the 90s, according to the American Library Association. It was number 23 in the early aughts and number 61 in the 2010s. So this is also the first in a loose quartet, which I think might answer one of your questions about what happens after. Mm -hmm. So the other books in the quartet are Gathering Blue, came out in 2000, Messenger, came out in 2004, and Sun in 2012. There was a movie adaptation that came out in 2014 with Jeff Bridges, Meryl Streep, and Brenton Thwaites. There are two stage adaptations, like uh, one is for sure for kids and the other one might not be 
uh, one musical and one opera. Um, and apparently the movie that came out in 2014 had been in the works since 1994. So they've been trying to make this movie for like 20 years before it came out. Um, yeah, those are my giver facts. <laughs> um, great. Gail, would you like to bring up your first talking point? Yeah. So I guess we'll just go through this this list that I made. Um, so you mentioned the sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, so disregarding that the sequels do uh, show Jonas still alive, mm-hmm. um, this ending has been written uh, is intentionally ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they actually make it to another? community or do you think it was all a dream and they die i so rereading the, the ending i don't think i realized how i don't remember how fraught the ending was i kind of like in my brain see them leaving and then they're on their red sled and then the book's over and so i forgot about like the weeks of them traipsing through the woods and starving and cold and shivering um and I, I want to say I think they do survive. I think in my head and uh, that the giver leaves the sled for, for them, knowing mm. that they're going to make it there somehow, just to have that feeling. And then they sled into, like, another community. But I could also see him, like, going to some kind of, like, uh, real dark hypothermia moment and like it's all an illusion and it's just a one last happy moment before they do die mm-hmm. but I want to believe that like the sled was left there for a reason the giver gave like one last gift and then they slide into like a warmth future yeah I hadn't thought of the idea that the giver left the sled there and I kind of I like that or maybe or maybe the the sled is like connected like maybe the people in the house like leave it there like i am like this is kind of my next my next thought is like is it can it be head canon that this house is like the like recovery house for all these people who escaped this weird cult of, of sameness yeah maybe i mean i like that idea that, like they have this the sled there just for that moment. I feel like I feel like somebody told them they were coming, mm. and left the sled as a sign. Yeah. Um, I'm really sad if the kids died at the end of this book, but <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I I choose to believe that they're like, despite the sequels, uh, that they are like they did survive with like help from from our friends, you know? Yeah. From their friends. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I am in that camp. Uh, I think it, it I have to get like too dark too fast, but like, I, it's interesting thinking about the ambiguity of the ending and also thinking about how um, the euphemisms that are used for death in this book, mm-hmm. like, you know, released to elsewhere and this mm-hmm. idea of, of being released to elsewhere. And it's, it's very like in that vibe of, you know, telling a kid that they sent the cat up to a farm upstate. Yeah. 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 And so that. it's in that amb- ambiguity, it's, it's like, okay, did they make it to 
this you know christmas house in elsewhere or did they make it to that christmas house in elsewhere right yeah that is true because it because they do say right like when hypothermia gets really bad you do feel really warm and it kind of gives that vibe of like it was snowing it was so cold and then like maybe they just like yeah gave themselves a last nice memory before they but i'm choosing to believe that they that they are alive yeah. and happy I, and healthy i i i choose i choose that as well and um <laughs> and actually like uh in an interview with lois lowry because the edition i read had like a little bit of an afterward with mm -hmm. her Mine too. and yeah, yeah yeah so and and she was like uh i made it intentionally ambiguous and then so many people were asking that I made sequels. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, well, what about Gabe? Like, if you read chapter two, he's alive. <laughs> I was like, okay. So, yes. I'm glad she felt the same way. <laughs> um, Have you read the sequels at all? I didn't know they existed until we did this. Um, mm. Yeah, I didn't know they were a thing. Because I guess, like, 2000, I was past... Um, this type of book i was reading more advanced things they didn't think to go back and look i'm curious about them maybe i will read them now yeah have you read them i i've read i read gathering blue but i i it was so long ago that i don't it did it did not feel connected to the it was like a it was a different society mm -hmm. from the society of of uh the book and i uh don't really remember you know how those two worlds connected so I, I think i might have to go back and reread it yeah now i think it's, it's more a, front of mind yeah it's a loose quartet and i think it's them living in a different community maybe i because i guess you're to your next point mm. it's kind of a cascading into that nicely done um you asked is the community just one community in the middle of nowhere and the rest of the world is doing whatever dystopian things they're doing it's funny so that reminds me of there's a show on apple tv called the silo okay that's like very dystopian and kind of not unlike the giver but basically like they live in this silo underground because there was like i guess like a it's it's very similar to this now that i'm saying it out loud there had been like kind of wars and devastation and so they had moved to the silo to save everyone but not everyone has like memories of the time before that and they like have taken and purged all the things that reminded them of the past mm -hmm. so there's like no they have like relics are forbidden um but spoiler alert at one point someone uh they have to ask to be released wow okay now that i'm hearing this Wait a minute. <laughs> they, have, they, they have to ask to to go outside um which is the same thing so they ask to get put in a suit and they sit outside um and when she gets up there there are like other silos that are out there as well and they thought they were the only one um so i get the feeling that maybe there are like there's like a giant boundary around like several of these communities where they kind of like keep out the rest of the world mm. but i think because they mentioned there are other ones that they go and visit yeah and if they're, they're kind of similar or they wouldn't visit them at all. I think if anything was too different, people would like, well, I want that. So, well, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I like the idea that there are all these separate uh, communities. And one thing 
Um, so I watched the movie before this, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I have some thoughts. Mm-hmm. But one thing they did in the movie is they just straight up like put, uh, like it, it's like a community boundary that's like on a cliff edge in the clouds. Oh wait, what? Yeah, yeah. So, but 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 it's so so the entire so the the um Jonas's whole community world is on this like plateau and then there's the edge but then beyond the edge it goes out into like the mountains and stuff like that from there so it's this so like he had he he spoilers he rides a bike off a cliff and then lands and is just fine then goes down you know okay that's (laughs) i okay because i think the whole point of it not being like a cliff in the clouds is that people follow these rules without like logic without thinking for themselves like not yeah. crossing a bridge because it it was a rule to not cross the bridge is yeah. like i think more impactful than well we can't go over there because it's a cliff it's like okay yeah yeah no i i like the i always pictured it as like and I grew up in Iowa, but like I pictured it as very like midwestern <laughs> like mm-hmm. very flat community and here's all this other, you know other stuff mm-hmm. so um i i don't know i like the idea of different isolated communities after whatever you know not you know nonsense happened that uh caused people to reevaluate society but um mm-hmm. yeah and i think you know i need to go back and read gathering blue uh cuz it sounds like there that's kind of what's going on i remember gathering blue like the there was a lot more like um they're they're more like i guess i don't know like people they're, they're more land-based they're like there's there's something yeah going there on. isn't ocean it feels like it is midwest or middle of the country because there's a river but there's no oceans there's no lakes it seems like so it's very yeah i guess like flat parts mm. of the of the country or wherever they are because we don't know yeah. where they are per se so I pulled just a bunch of um, moments that stuck out to me, mm-hmm. and um, there's a line: "Great honor is not the same as great power." Um, and that, um, I don't know. And I thought it's it's really. I mean, I don't know what to do with it other than just to sit there and be like, yeah, but um, I'm thinking (laughs) in the context of, um, so the giver says that line Mm -hmm. um, when Jonas is assigned or selected to be the receiver Mm -hmm. of memory and everyone is saying, you know, it's this position of great honor. And but you can't do how, anything with it. Just but you can't. Yeah, you can't do anything with it. And and how he's like expected to, you know, take on all of this weight and be this wise person. But then they're not always like seeking their wisdom, and the wisdom that they seek is based on maintaining the status quo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a. I'm trying to think, are there other positions that have like 
great honor, but not great power. Hmm. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, and I, f I feel like it's, I don't know if a lie is the right word, but it's only, they say it's a great honor, but it feels more like a great punishment, right? That hmm. they have to take on all of these emotions, some of which are great, like the joy and the sunshine and seeing colors. But there's also all of the painful memories of yeah. like war and you know bones breaking, and then even if you, you're still so alone. Even yeah. um, even if you get a spouse and have kids, or sorry, you apply to have children, which oh, yes. buddy. oh buddy, um, <laughs> you still are you still are alone the whole time. Yeah. So they call it a great honor to like, not trick them, but you know placate them into thinking that this job is or is is great it is literally emotional labor mm -hmm. <laughs> like emotional emotional labor that becomes physical pain yeah there's no yeah and it's like, only honorable because they give him like a nice house yeah but maybe like you could turn off the the wall receiver so they can't hear you you can't listen in but still yeah it's not a job that i would want well i guess that's a good question yeah would you want to be a receiver would you want these memories the good and the bad uh, not without being able to sh share them beyond like an apprentice mm -hmm. like like i feel like if I would want to have like like I could not imagine like not ha being in that world not having access to uh, emotions yeah. and like the concept of music mm -hmm. and yeah. <laughs> like all of that and being and able to and, yeah yeah so if I had to live in that community I would be the receiver of memory because I would want all of those things and yeah I would probably do weird outsider art about it that no one would understand right because or could see because yes. or could see <laughs> yeah like elsa you can't share it you can't communicate it you can't process it outwardly oh buddy like yeah i because it kind but, of yeah i was thinking like it's supposed to be it kind of portrays itself as utopian and then you realize it's dystopian i yeah there's a line where he says like they they don't know anything else and so mm -hmm. i think once you're woken up to the fact that there is like different like smells and and colors yeah i couldn't i couldn't go back to the sameness i couldn't go back to the gray after that okay so 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 here's my pitch what if instead of you know one receiver and one giver or whatever uh what if the receiver of memory the receivers of memory is an art collective <laughs> slash like why like they're they're like the elders like they're their own pack of elders who are just like they all have beautiful make shawls art. Uh -huh. and they make weird art and they advise the community and like I think they're probably also therapists, you know, probably. I, and also they're therapists. 
art therapy. Yeah, I feel like yeah. <laughs> if there was a collection of people to help with these, that would probably like make the giver's job a lot easier too. If there's like people to share it with. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it that way. I could be a, like a weird hippie artist with like lots of memories and doing art. Yeah. I'd be okay like, with that. Like you need at least one. You like you have the person giving the memories and you have the person receiving the memories and then you need somebody for the the receiver to process that information with right right um because that because like like if they added that you know a collective of at least three people who are holding all of these secrets Mm -hmm. and are also helping each other process those secrets then it it might be viable you'd be like jonas's if he took a spouse his spouse would have to be allowed to like know what's going on i think right yeah because otherwise yeah it just sounds so lonely and that's the thing it's like once the giver is gone it's just be you with these memories that sounds yeah awful so lonely on the subject of memory transfer um so what I said in my in my points that I wrote a while ago that I'm now going to try to understand myself. <laughs> <laughs> the memory transfer situation is very magical realism. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I feel like a lot of the different dystopian elements of it have some sort of basis in science and bureaucracy, although I don't know how they knocked being able to see color out of the equation, but I, that feels like, I don't know. Yeah, I do wonder. I, I find that interesting. Yeah, how did they create a system that is like very uh, laid out and everyone has a plan? They know what their job is, they know what the next steps are. How did they somehow get rid of color and music? Like, how did they. Yeah, that part, that element seems like kind of out of place. Now, I don't mind it, but it's like, how do we get from like. One do this, twos do this, threes do this, so you can't see color. And you can't see like skin tones and like I well, okay, I guess there was a line that the giver said that I think they almost had like geneticists who mm-hmm. who there's, I guess there's some problematic genetic engineering. Yeah, they that. yeah, there is some eugenics going on in this book for sure. Oh. Um but they like try to, I guess, like breed. Oh, it sounds gross, but like breed sameness and everything. And maybe in s- somehow they, I don't know, change people's eyes so they couldn't see color and only see in like shades of gray. I don't know. Yeah. But then how do they know that his friend's hair is red? I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, it's it, there's a certain thing where it's just like you're just taken in the story. It's yes, fine. <laughs> we're taking a leap because that part I'm like, okay, um, yeah, there is some magical realism with that. That I I think what drew me to this question is uh, when I was watching the movie, they like went really hard on the like the dystopian technologies and the video mm-hmm. screens and the the um, injection so how um how they take their daily medication first of all they don't give them the pills once they start having the sexy dreams of the stirrings 
instead of doing that, it's just like they everybody takes medication and it just keeps them generally numb. And there's like an injection machine that they like by their front door that they just like pop their finger on. Huh. Yeah. But like, but my point is like the, I guess seeing it in the movie, all the technologies were extremely like advanced and we're doing a science fiction. And then, uh, you look at how the memories are passed and in the, in the movie, uh, instead of the being on your back on the bed situation, it's a little weird wrist grab. Uh Yeah. Which, (laughs) yeah, I was like, okay, oh, this Oh, so he's 12. I was like, I don't, yeah, this part, the whole time I was, I was like, mm, this does not feel uh, safe to me. Uh, but which okay. Is, which is probably around the movie, they're like, yeah, you're 18. Yeah, yeah. I think in 93, we're like, this is fine. And in 2023, we're like, mm, no, that's not a good look. Okay. Um, well, yes. And and I guess that is the thing. When how how much do you remember that they are children when you're reading the book? I had to remind myself when they were in the woods that he was like thirteen. Thirteen yeah. with the, this one year old trying to like make it through. I had to remind myself. Cause like I you forget. They and I think because of the way they're raised, they mm. seem to like be more mature on paper. But I think they're just like they have less emotions so they're more regulated yeah, yeah they just they're well i think a lot about how they don't allow the kids to be kids mm-hmm. yeah they have recreation time they have school but they start volunteering like at eight or something mm-hmm. uh, and they become adults at 12 to quote yeah. unquote they're adults like once they get their assignments that's it um which it makes me wonder like when are they applying for spouses? When are they applying for kids? Like, at what age is that happening? I'm not. And my my brain also just went, oh yeah, birth mothers. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was thinking too how like they because of these pills, they never have um, carnal relations, mm-hmm. but then they do have these like these women um, who are just. Um, Brood mares is that the right word? They're just there for uh, just giving birth for a few years, and they and they become like laborers. It's it's kind of I don't know. It's wild because they try. It's another one of those positions where they try to say it's an honor to be a birth hmm. mother, but you know after your job is done, you're going to be like a, do hard labor until you move to the house of old. So like, yeah. Well, and, and people like look down at like any, uh, they, anytime they talk about laborers or they talk mm-hmm. about birth mothers, they're like, oh, you don't want that. Yeah. You don't want that. Um, and that somehow in a society that's supposed to be equal, there's still status. There's still people who are less than. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how they talk about like the, the, the kids that are a little bit more wacky, like with like Asher, like is very asher is very uh i don't know adhd coded <laughs> like, yeah i was like yeah bro is definitely <laughs> um which in the in the movie he gets a job as a drone pilot yeah you said i saw you i read that 
which I don't know that I'd give Asher a job as a drone pilot, given all oh, that poor kiddo. Yeah. It's wild, too. I guess it's also this is 93, but they still have, like, physical punishments for these kids written into mm. the book and for the old. Yeah. The old also get, like, spanks or hit with a, what is it called? The rod? Yeah. If they do something. I was like, okay, I, uh, <laughs> that also oh. didn't feel good either. Can we talk about Gabe? Oh, Yeah. Let's talk about Gabe. Gabe is the reason why uh, the escape happened so early. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's talk about yeah. Gabe. Yeah, because I kept thinking as I was reading it, like, this poor kid, I think the reason why he kept, um, well, well, first of all, it's the it's the narrative of, like, the babies have to be, like, fit to be, you know, handed off, which is mm -hmm. just gross. But then... I think the reason why he cried when he was brought back to the nurturing center is because he was getting used to his little found family. Yeah. I mean, it's been like, what, almost a year? Over a year? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think I would cry too if I got taken away from my family and had to spend the night somewhere else. And yeah, it seems right. like a totally normal reaction to have right. that happen. And like, nowhere in there is it like, oh, this, because they have eliminated the concept of love of like yeah yeah of cuddling of like yeah of um probably physical touch is also like frowned upon too or um yeah that's that yeah i mean gabe probably had like colic or something yeah after three months he would have been fine so i <laughs> but at that point like you're used to like your family that is the people you live with so yeah yeah i'd be upset too and the fact that yeah. he's because he wasn't sleeping through the night then he was going to be released and i just it's wild to me that like this idea of release this idea of like you're killing people is like not a burden on their souls when they do this right like it's, just, it's right. a fact of life uh when uh jodas's dad killed the other twin that was like slightly less in weight and just was like all right bye kid i was like I literally was like, my jaw dropped because I forgot that's how it happened. And I was like, but it didn't, like, he didn't feel bad about it. It's just like, what life is. Like, that's just what happens. Mm. You just murder a child and keep going. Yeah. Because they don't know anything other than that. Just wild. Yeah. And, like, I think this reread that hit me, like, mm -hmm. so much deeper. Mm -hmm. um, me too. Yeah. It was just, yeah, I, ooh. and that, um, the previous giver, Rosemary, applied for release, and then, like, gave herself the injection. Yeah. Which is, again, like, how bad is this job, or these memories that, like, you would kill yourself, rather than, like, try to receive more memories. Yeah. And, yeah, they're like, no, but really... But it's a great honor. It's a great honor, but like, so other people can't feel anything. I guess at least they give them good memories too. And yeah. not just the painful ones, but still just, 
uh, that they evolved to a point where like feeling anything was too much and they just like yeah. gave it to one person is such a strange concept yeah well in the in the movie there's so you get to see like um jonas like trying to process it with his friends and getting in trouble yeah so they mm-hmm. like there's a there's a whole bit which is like it was very it, again the, the the movie if you see it it, it is giving divergent it is giving mm-hmm. twilight it is it is in that same you know era um but there's a scene where they climb to the they're they're at the top of this like observation deck sphere thing and it has this big giant curvy bridge and jonas is trying to communicate the the memory of sledding mm-hmm. and he takes a food tray and he and, and um he and fiona slide down this this giant hill this like giant weird space hill that's mm-hmm. a very beautiful scene and then like you know and then there's all these other moments where he has a memory of dance and he's trying to dance and people are like what are you learning and you're so you oh, see him God. having like a full-on like breakdown like trying to they don't have explain things Dang. yeah yeah oh yeah that's wild yeah hmm what were we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. We were talking about Gabe and then we went on some adventures and that's okay. <laughs> I I'm I'm looking at the talking points, but I'm also like, eh, vibes. Um <laughs> No, yeah, I was, trying, I was thinking so there's part of this book for me that um is a quote that always pops in my head when someone says they're starving. Mm. But, and I always think of this book, it's like you're not starving, everyone's starving, you don't even know what starving is. Um and then he does know what starving is, but I, that's it's, that part of the book is always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was thinking about not feeling things with the stirrings and having to. I feel like the last time I read this, the stirrings were more prominent than they are in this version, and maybe like I don't know if someone cut some things. I remember reading that to my campers and having to like skip over the part. I don't think it was like too graphic. I don't know. Maybe I was more of a prude in my twenties, but it didn't feel like that big of a it deal. It hits different when you're reading it in front of children. Yeah, that's true. Because I could see the the bathtub. The 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 you're talking about the scene in, with where he imagines Fiona in the bathtub. Yes. Oh, maybe that that is what it is. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's what it was. As I was, <laughs> be like, okay, this is. Oh right. Um. Yeah, that was a lot. Okay. It makes sense like you would start to like start feeling those things at that age and that you would write about it but then that opens the door to discussions that maybe you're not ready to have with yous that you're a camp counselor for yeah it's fair i wanted to talk about the so the scene where um the asher is like supervising these kids playing war mm-hmm, and it's right mm-hmm. after Jonas has had the memory of war and he's like trying to explain you know why this is bad yeah and and uh I guess there's several there's like several layers in there because it's like one it's showing this idea of like you can just absolutely not like they absolutely know nothing about history or how yeah. like offensive that is because they just have 
literally no memory or connection to that aspect of the past. Um, there's a big old metaphor there. Mm -hmm. And also, um, the, I, how I accept your apology is your, where, where Asher's like, uh, or where, where, um, yeah, he, he just says like, he tries to apologize and Jonas like tries to explain more. And yeah. Asher's like, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I said, I don't, I, it's fine. Let it go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that part feels very familiar because even as kids, like we'd play like cops and robbers, not realizing mm -hmm. like what that meant. Yeah. Um, and I think that feels like, and I, it's kind of like a, you made a point like a loss of innocence. Like we all would kind of play these games, but because Jonas has the, has the context for it, it's like a lot more painful. Um, I think a lot of kids like uh, make jokes about things that like they don't know about because they've only heard about it or seen it. And like, this is how we uh, help, like how the context we have this is a game. We don't have like the real life experience to know what this is. Um, it was felt very, I was like, yep, yeah, that's, I think that's maybe the point where he really kind of like sunk in that he was on a totally different path from everyone else. Like he's like, this is, I think he has like his first like kind of big breakdown before the releasing video. Mm. He kind of like starts to feel all of his like rage and sadness and anger, um, and kind of has to lie about feeling those things. I thought too, what was going to happen when he turned like 16 or 17 and like things got real weird with yeah. his hormones or what he's going to do without taking that pill. But um, yeah. yeah. He's literally the only person in that community going through puberty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or oh. like the hormone emotional puberty. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also wanted to talk about your point of like um the sameness that if like everyone is the same that there is no diversity of like queerness or race or like uh physical abilities like there is like it's very much like they've again i hate this word but breeded out all of the differences so no one can which is like a wild thing to think about as someone who's like a person of color to be in this world where like that's like not a thing that exists that everyone's like the mm -hmm. same shade of like red tones is i guess what they said so we don't know like exactly what um everyone's like hue is per se that's what we're yeah. to say but like it's also very interesting to think about like we don't have to worry about that anymore because everyone is the same and how yeah. boring that must be and is there queerness if like you're just numbed out of being able to be attracted to people in the first place yeah i guess like... not because it seems like everything's very heteronormative yeah um yeah guy and a girl and then you get two kids that are also a guy yeah there's like oh man yeah any feelings you had about being different or like feeling for other people that are of the same sex or if you feel like maybe your body doesn't match like um what you present like oh buddy that pill just yeah takes all that away that's so that's so sad <laughs> yeah yeah no i was i i mean i was thinking about that and i was like well, wait, like, no, if I were in this environment, I don't know if I would, because, like, I, I came out tiny. Mm -hmm. Like, I came out preemie sized. Mm -hmm. So. You might not have made it, Gail. I mm -hmm. might not have made it. Mm -mm. I might not have made it for the nurturing center. Mm -mm. No. 
Yeah, this idea know. of like perfection. Ugh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I the only way I would live in that world is if I started a, a receiver of memory art collective. Yeah, and uh, and we'd be weirdos on the hill. Uh, wait, there's no hills. We've been. Well, I feel like the annex. The annex feels like a treehouse. I don't know why it just feels like oh, that yeah. in my brain. Yeah, just have a have a treehouse. No, that's that that's it. You have a treehouse out by mm -hmm. the house of the old. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's the receiver of memory art collective. Yep. There you and go. then you teach like pottery classes and you teach all the like accessible ways of the stories. Like mm -hmm. Cuz I wonder cuz there is no art and music like I don't think they draw. I don't think they like sing. They don't dance. Like art is also gone too. They, they mentioned the story. They mentioned that at one point they had a storyteller, and and but also like they have. They're so obsessed with the precision of language that there's no room for metaphor. Mm -mm. No. So and the storyteller sounds like it's um a once in a while job. Like it, it's not often they have one. Mm-hmm. And there's only one if they do have one. Ugh, I wonder what that would look like. I don't know what that would look like. I, I think they would be sponsored by the Receiver of Memory Artist Collective. Well, I think so, too. I think so, too. <laughs> um, I think so, too. Yeah. It, it, this is my fan fiction. I, it's finally happening. Maybe <laughs> this is your next thing is you rewrite The Giver, but add this art collective. Or maybe oh it's God. like... Oh, maybe it's the community after Jonas has left and they had yeah. this art collective because yes. they needed this a way to like deal with the memories that they have. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll get on uh okay. one of those fan fiction sites. I never mm -hmm. got into <laughs> Yeah. It's it only came out twenty years ago, but they're ready for this fanfic of the no, We're we're ready for this. <laughs> I love that. I can't I can't wait to read it. All right, cool. <laughs> so Gail. Uh, the question we always ask is, um, do you think this book that came out in 93, oh, was that 30 years ago? I keep saying 20 years ago. Ooh, 30 years ago. Nah. Uh, do you think it still holds up today? And would you give it to a young person to read? What do you think? Um, I think... I think it still I think it still holds up. If I gave it to a young person, I would be like put it in the context of it of like and you know, if you want to talk about it, like Oh yeah. And not in that evangelistic like, you know, fifth grade gale. Do you want to talk about the giver? Right. But like <laughs> We'll talk about it. Yeah. But yeah, we can talk about it. Um and there's um there's a graphic novel version of it that oh, i also have okay um that right, you i said think you had a few versions of this right you said yeah i have the graphic novel i also my mom got me a copy of it in spanish when i first started taking spanish in high school because she because she knew like i knew the book well enough that i could open up to a random page yeah. and put things together with my two years of spanish to like yeah. figure out <laughs> where i was i love that yeah the obsession goes deep um but no i would <laughs> i would um yeah i would still recommend it i mean i i think it's it's an interesting thing to read in today's day and age as yeah you know, 
Yeah. yeah. I think it feels, I think it still feels important because I, I feel like we're in some ways moving toward this idea of sameness mm. of like people, some people not letting um, other people be themselves. So it's kind of a nice reminder of like what we don't want to become. At least the beginning of the yeah. book is like we think that that would be ideal, but actually that would be such a, a sad place to live in. So like sad enough that like a 13 year old runs away with a baby to like with no food, no clothing, just to get away mm-hmm. and like live a better life. Um, yeah, I think it's an important reminder for sure. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. I would give this. And then also be like, hey, let's talk about it if, if things are. But I think there are also things like reading it as like a 13-year-old that I didn't pick up on as an adult. I'm like, oh, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Ruby, we did it. We did it. We did it. Um, Gail, is there anything you would like to plug or where we can find more about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am a singer songwriter as well as a, uh, music producer and audio professional and teacher. So if you want to, um, check out my original music, I have it all on Spotify and all of the, all the places that you find your music. Um, if you, uh, have a project where you need, uh, audio editing or, uh, composition services, um, I do that under the name Sparkle Bards Studios. Um, and I do like podcast editing, podcast theme songs, and, uh, assorted other shenanigans in that Mm, realm. And, (laughs) and, uh... Um, I also teach uh, private lessons in piano and voice um, at Access Contemporary Music in Rogers Park. So if you're in the neighborhood, um, hit me up. Yeah, lovely. Well, thank you so much, Gail. I had a great time with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was really fun. Yay, I'm glad. All right, uh, until next time, happy reading. Momo's Bookcase is created, edited, and produced by me, Morgan Phillips Potts, and our theme music is by Nia D'Amelio. For more information about Momo's Book Club, follow us at Momo's Book Club on all platforms, or go to www.momosbookclub.com. Momo's Bookcase is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com 